0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Welcome again, everybody, to another edition of Grace to All. So happy to have Steve McVeigh with me again. And- our podcasts go about 22 minutes, and I could take 21 of those minutes talking about what all Steve has done ministering in the uh, seven continents and writing more books than the Apostle Paul did and all of the things on TV and stuff like that. I'll put a lot of that in the show notes. Uh, I'll just leave it at that and say, welcome, Steve. Thanks for being back.
1: Thank you, Paul. I'm glad to be back with you again.
0: Thanks. And Steve has had an amazing ministry career of being a pastor uh, from an early age, I think 16 years old and senior pastor and teaching and having a a radical change uh, with radical grace and then leading the rest of us around the world and traveling and writing books and being on TV and all these different things that have just reached people in so many different ways that we're all very grateful for. And one of the things I want to touch on just a little bit, because it's self-serving for me, it. It ties in with the ministry that we're doing, but people know you primarily as a grace teacher and author, but I know at different times you've put together groups who've gone to Africa, to other countries, and done specific things like provide drinking water and things like that to people. Talk a little bit about those things and the emotions that you had when you were doing that and the joy that it brought.
1: It's been exciting to see people open their hearts to the love of God. All over the globe. We've been on six continents. And what Grace Walk does in sharing the message of the gospel is that we try not just to share the message in word, but in deed, as the scripture says. Early on, one of the things that I really have enjoyed doing has been our outreach into China. I've been into China a number of times. We smuggled Bibles into China multiple times. And that was a cool thing. You talk about the emotion of it. I smuggled Bibles into China numerous times, and I would take my bags filled with Bibles, and then I would come up to customs. And one of the times it happened that, you know, your heart gets to racing a little bit when you're about to do that. And one of the times it was like a scene out of the movie, The Hiding Place with Cory Tin Boom. I stepped up and they were going through everybody's bags in front of me. And I stepped up and I was the next one in line. And the agent, turned, it was a female, she turned her back away from me, and as she turned away, I stepped behind her, and as she turned back around, I walked behind her, and I walked right across the line out of customs, and I got the Bibles across there, and I set the two bags down on the floor, which was, this was all pre-planned. After I came out of customs, I set the bags down on the floor, and there about 10 or 15 feet in front of me with somebody to greet me. And I threw my arms in the air, came out to hug the person. And as I hugged them, leaving the bags behind, another person, it had been prearranged, walked out of the crowd, picked up the bags. I never looked back. They picked up the suitcases of the Bibles and they walked back into the crowd and took them away. So it's been fun doing that kind of thing. Since you asked, one of the coolest things was when Melanie, my wife Melanie went with me one time. And we were smuggling Bibles into China and she was scared. Well, I'm always a little, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's scary, but we pulled up to the gate and she began to get really kind of, you know, a little bit, not panic, but her emotions were heightened about it. And I said, Melanie, it's okay. I said to her, we all know the story of Brother Andrew. Some of the listening or watching may remember oh, Brother sure. Andrew, God's smuggler. What he would do is he would go into the smuggle Bibles into the places and he would ask God to blind their eyes to him so that they wouldn't see him and he would get Bibles in. So I'm talking, I'm sitting at the gate. We're about to come off the plane. And I said to Melanie, you, well, you remember how Brother Andrew did it? He prayed that God would blind their eyes to him. I said, let's do the same thing. And so we, I held her hand and we prayed and we said, Lord, you blinded their eyes to Brother Andrew. Will you blind their eyes to us so they don't see us with these suitcases full of Bibles? So we get off the plane and we go into the terminal. And we approach the customs area, International Terminal in Beijing, China. And we've all been in these terminals. And, you know, there's just, you know, booth after booth after booth. And the agents are sitting at the booth and you go in, show them your passport and you go, you take your bags. So we walk in there, and we look across there, and Paul, we didn't see a single soul. There was nobody there. We showed our passport, and then we go into the customs, and there's nobody there. The place is empty. And Melanie and I, Melanie says, but we're supposed to go through. I said, Melanie, she's she's a rules keeper from way back. I've had to teach her how to be a rebel in some ways. And I said, Melanie, come on. And we took our bags and we walked straight through customs and walked out the door and never even saw anybody. Later, I said to Melanie, I'm just putting this out there. I said, you know how scared you were? And we were both uneasy and nervous about it. Is it possible that not only did God answer our prayers and blind their eyes to us, but is it possible that God blinded our eyes to them so that we didn't see them either? It was the freakiest experience. That I've had. So we've done lots of things like that. I've spent weeks in China with the Underground House Church. I stayed in a factory, an abandoned factory one time with people that were squatters, 30 below zero with no heating in there. And the Chinese church leaders would come in before dawn. And then I would uh, teach the Bible to them all day. And then they would stay until after dark and they'd sneak out after dark. So we've done that. We've taken money into China to help get imprisoned Christians out of jail. We've been to India. One of our team who went with us became the catalyst for building a couple of orphanages in India. That was exciting to see one of the team that went with us lead that effort and build that orphanages for children in India. We've spoken in leper colonies there in India and, and, of course, went to the orphanages and things like that. So many exciting things, Paul. It's just thrilling to see people open their hearts and to be able to not only talk to them about the love of God, but show it to them. When I was in India, we were in a leper colony, and people were sitting on the ground, lepers. They lived outside in the leper colony, and I was able to share with them about how much God loved them. And these folks sitting on the ground, some of them didn't have ears, some of them didn't have fingers, and they would just bob their head from side to side in agreement, if you know how they do in India. They'd bob their head from side to side in agreement with tears streaming down their cheeks as I talked to them about the love of God. It's one of the few times that I have preached the gospel that I found it hard to even speak because I was crying. As I was talking to them, I was crying because I was so moved by their openness and their enthusiasm for the gospel and for the love of God. It's just thrilling to see the power that God's love has to impact people and to be a part of that.
0: Well, guys, it really is. And you talked about those orphanages. One of the verses that God has used to impact me in this period of my life is in the first chapter of James, where he, he says pure religion is to help the widows and the orphans. I kind of think that obviously all Scripture has many different levels of uh, meaning, but, you know, that's maybe the only time or certainly one of the few times that the word religion is used in the new testament and, and i think james is being pretty facetious when he's he said no religion is not keeping the rules and doing this and not doing that and dotting all the i's and no it, it's religion is not what you guys think it is religion is taking care of those in need <laughs> and helping them and, of course, proclaiming the good news to them when you do it. And the widows and the orphans have been something that the Lord has, I'll use the old religious phrase, put on my heart. Our daughter, Jody, who's in your mourning group, became a widow when she was 30 years old. Her husband was 29. He died of cancer and they lost their home and finance, all of that. And she came to live with us then, with their then three-year-old son. That was in 2009. And they've been here ever since and not because she has to but by choice we get along really well and you know and we we love helping her raise her son who has autism i know you have a grandson uh, who's on the autistic spectrum and but she's been extremely fortunate in the tragedy that she had of having family and friends and a church community to support her unfortunately many single parents don't have any of those and they are the most vulnerable of the vulnerable. And then, of course, orphans. That's a whole another story. But I've found, through our daughter, but through others too, that today... I just have a much greater empathy and understanding for single parents who many times have two or three kids at home. They're the sole breadwinner. they sometimes working two jobs uh, to keep food on the table and, and have a place to stay. They're just worn out when they get home. And then they have the sole responsibility of taking care of the kids. And if the kids are sick and they have to miss work and they miss work too much, then their their job is in jeopardy. And many times they're just beaten down, not only by life, but by their own maybe misplaced feelings of guilt and by how society can ignore them or shun them or berate them or whatever. Now, that's not in every case, but certainly a lot of them. So what we've been doing, we started this ministry that we copied it from another friend, but we call it the Grace Restoration Team, where we not only— help people be restored to their true identity, their true genesis, as our friend Francois writes so eloquently, but we restore them financially, and we help them connect with other like-minded people who can encourage them on who they are in Christ. So that's one of the things that one of my goals with this book and featuring all of you all, as they say in the South, but we also help people financially. Simply because that's a great need that they have, much like you did taking money to get people out of prison and stuff like that. But our goal is to have a group of 100 people who will give $100 a month, which is $10,000, that we can help single parents and their families with and we're well on our way towards that goal and guys just recently in one instance we found out about a single mom who has two boys in grade school she's a nurse she drives 30 miles one way to work as a nurse she works 12 or 14 hour shifts Three days a week, so then she can go to school full time the rest of the time to get a master's in nursing so that she can get a, a better salary. Well, she's done well managing her money and stuff like that, but her 2004 Toyota with almost 300,000 miles just decided it wasn't going to go anymore. It had had enough. And she couldn't get to work. And we found out about this a couple of days after that happened. She was renting a car, not knowing what she was going to do. The mechanic said, we might be able to fix it, but it's going to cost at least $2,500. And if we can fix it, then it'll probably run for another year or two, but no guarantees. And she literally didn't know what to do. Well, we found out about that. And so I called her out of the blue I talked to her. We talked about different options and I said, find out for sure what it's going to cost to fix it. And if they can. So she called me back a day later and she said, yeah, it's $2,500. So I said, okay, we're going to right now, while we're talking, commit to you. And then later she lives fairly close by to our town. She came by and I gave her a check for $3,000. And I said, this will cover getting your car fixed and your rental car, and maybe a little extra to take the kids out to McDonald's or whatever. We just want you to know that God loves you. There are people who care for you that you don't even know about. And this is just a gift. We just want to bless you. You can imagine, because you've been there, the look on her face like, what? And then the, I don't deserve this. And one of my favorite things that I say with people like this, when I said, no, you do deserve it. And in this case, I'm the one who gets to decide whether you deserve it or not. And just like God, I'm not saying I'm God, but just like God does, you deserve it. And this is a gift, no strings attached, just be blessed. So she was blessed. Yesterday we got a nice note in the mail from her. But then sending people who we help the book where we profile you guys and have some uh, one-page things in it about who they are in Christ and their real identity and who they've always been and taking the pressure off of not having to be involved in performance-based religion. Gosh, it's so. Uh, I, I saw your eyes light up, Steve, when you started talking about smuggling Bibles and going to India and, and different places. My eyes light up too. And I get the privilege of doing that. But there are people who give $5 a month, $100 a month, or some who give $1,200 for a year in advance who are part of this. And then I get to tell them the stories about all of this. And to me... There's hardly anything that's more worthwhile than that to a group of people in society today who are sometimes forgotten or at best, we're just glad it's not us, that type of thing. And gosh, it's just so much fun to be able to help people like that.
1: It really is. Paul, how would those of us who want to connect with what you're doing for those single mothers connect to you in that way?
0: Oh, gosh, thanks for asking. I'm just starting to go public with this, and there'll be a page on my website, my website is uh, gracewithpaulgray.com. There's a link on that, Helping Single Parents, and it tells about that and how you can uh, be involved in it and uh, find out more about it. And I appreciate you asking that, Steve. And I've just started talking about this to our Sunday morning group and the people that I interact with on facebook, and we've had people in different states already help us and be a part of this and uh you know I think everybody wants to be a part of something that's greater than themselves uh, everybody wants to help people, a lot of us have been burned, and you know i i've heard you talk about the guy on the street or different people that you see there in St Pete that you will sometimes give some money to or buy lunch or whatever. And God has freed us up to not uh, judge or attach any strings to that. You know, they they may take the money and go buy another pint of whiskey, but that's up to them. It, it's up to us to uh, do what God leads us to do. And so we do have a, a little bit of a vetting system with this. People that we help have to be recommended by somebody who's giving to the ministry. And then, you then I call them and talk with them and try to Use the best wisdom that I have and the teacher in me to reveal whether or not we're being scammed. You know, I'm sure I'll make mistakes with that. I haven't uh, made any yet in, in that particular thing. But uh, people can know all the money, absolutely all the money that's given to this go to single moms and dads and their kids and all the money that comes in from our book. Grace to all. All the money that comes into it goes to the single mom ministry, and we give these books for free to single moms. And then whenever somebody buys one, all the money goes to give another book to a single mom, single parent, and her kids. And the rest of the money goes into the fund to help them financially, so people can know that their money's going for a good thing.
1: I think that's great. You know what just occurs to me as you're talking. <laughs> you know, through Grace Walk, you know we have as I said, built orphanages. We dug wells in Swaziland. We fed a whole village of people called Mafusini in Africa. We fed the whole village of a thousand folks for a year. Wow, We've done a lot of things like that, but you make a very good point. And I think it warrants mentioning and pointing out for those that are watching or listening, you don't have to be helping people around the world. That's all great to do that. I've enjoyed doing that. But as you mentioned, There are sometimes people right under our nose that we can help. One of the advantages Mm -hmm. I have is I live in a downtown area. I live downtown in the city in St. Petersburg, and I walk most places. I don't have to drive a lot these days. Mm -hmm. I walk most places. And because I live right downtown, I've come to recognize and even know a lot of the people who are downtown Mm -hmm. a lot. I know numerous homeless people by name. Mm. And as you mentioned, there have been times, I'm not one that hands out money to everybody that asks, but there have been times I've bought a meal for a homeless person who I've come to know by name and have made an effort to get to know that person at a very personal level, just like you're doing with these single mothers. And I think it might be a good thing to remind folks that are participating in this podcast now, we all encounter people that we can help. You don't have to dig wells across the world or big, build orphanages or smuggle Bibles. Sometimes you've got a homeless person standing in front of you, mm-hmm. and sometimes you've got a single mother that can need help. And what is an incidental thing to us can become a monumental thing in somebody else's life if we just open our eyes and have the awareness of the needs that are around us. People ask me sometimes, I've had people ask me, how do you know who to help? For instance, in my case, with homeless folks, with you as un- with single mothers, but in my case, homeless folks, how do you know who to help? Just like you said, they may take that, go buy a bottle of Jim <laughs> with it. Well, they may. The only thing I do is I just kind of go through life with my antenna up. And if I encounter somebody and I sense that, and I don't want to overly spiritualize it, but I'll say it this way. If I want to help, I help. Sometimes just something in me says, I want to help this person. Other times something in me says, no, nope, no, nope, sorry. And that's this, but I think if our antenna is up and if we were as conscious and aware of the opportunities to help people as we've been taught to be about not being taken advantage of, not only would we bring joy to a lot of other people, but we would find that we allow ourselves to experience joy in a different way than many of us ever have by reaching out and sharing with others. So my hat's off to you for what you're doing, Paul. I think that's great. What you do with these single parents. That's, that's awesome.
0: Well, thanks. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. I get blessed just by talking about it and sharing it with other people. And, it's fun. And this has been fun too. And so I, Steve, thanks for taking the time to be with me and share your life with me and uh, with so many others so willingly. And I know we'll get to do this again. And hopefully in person, hopefully I'll get to come to St. Pete uh, again, one of these times and see you and Keith and Marjorie Stanton and other friends there, but maybe speak at the Refuge Church again where I know that you've spoken. And so I I look forward to being in person, but thanks so much for being with us today on Grace to All with Paul Gray.
1: I enjoy being with you always, Paul. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. And thanks everybody for watching and being with us for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray and my friend, Steve McVeigh. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you,